Welcome to Tailboard Talk, a fourth shift fitcast. The mission of Tailboard Talk and the fourth shift fitness is to educate and train fire service personnel to increase durability and decrease the potential for injuries and their associated costs. My name is Chris Morella, owner and founder of Fourth Shift Fitness. I'll use my experience as a personal trainer, strength coach, and 15-year veteran of the fire service to deliver tips, tricks, lessons, and information specifically geared towards the health and wellness of firefighters and paramedics. Each episode, you'll leave with immediate deliverables that will improve performance and resilience and keep you in the fight through your career and into retirement. Let's get into it. Shows I was going to talk to you about bad vegan. I don't think it was the Hateful Eight. I saw the Hateful Eight at a, my cousin's husband used to run a movie theater down in Chicago, in an old one, and I saw the Hateful Eight on ninety millimeter, seventy millimeter, whatever it is. It's an old, it's an old form that Tarantino liked to use. Does it look like cowboy? Like yeah. old choppy. And it was super long. It was like a director's <laughs> cut. There was an intermission actually in the movie. Jesus. And it was a long event, but it was awesome. It was cool. I'm, well, I'm working with Ed now, so we're working through all the Tarantino films. Mm. So we only Has he have, not seen uh, any of them? He's seen all of them like 20 okay. times, yeah, but so I haven't so, seen many of okay. them. So all we have left is Kill Bill Volume 2 and um, another one. I can't remember. Oh, Death Proof. Okay. But we watched. Uh, Did you all watch of them. the other one? What's the other one with Death Proof? Uh, oh, the double feature one or whatever. Yeah, I I think I've seen parts of both of them, but never like sat through the double feature. Yeah, or one of them probably. Um, but Bad Vegan. Wait, I'll do this intro first. So welcome to Tailboard Talk. We're up here at Kurt's house today, so we're hanging out with Sadie Puppy. We just. Uh, Barked at me for 15 minutes and then decided that we're best friends for the past five minutes. So it's all good. Just stay over there on your pillow and don't bite me. Okay, a mix between a greyhound and a crane. I like it with your duck. Uh, but we want to talk about um, designing workouts. We did the episode, well, when this comes out, it'll be about a month ago about program design. And then we did Spring for Change. We talked about fitness. And then uh, shortly after the first episode, though, Kurt texted me and said, hey, we should put together some workouts so people have examples of this. Maybe just building one uh, or two over the course of the podcast would be a good idea. So today we're going to build a more strength-based workout uh, and also a hypertrophy-based workout or hypertrophy-based workout, if you say it like I like to. We'll get into that. But I've also been watching this ridiculous documentary called Bad Vegan. And um, do you know anything about it? Nothing. It's ridiculous. It is. It's the stupidest thing. This. It's in Netflix. Or? It's on. I think so. Okay. This girl opens a vegan restaurant. Makes millions of dollars. It's. She's got like Alec Baldwin in there and their their buddies or something like that. And she actually says like, oh, if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have been done something that night, like I would have hooked up with Alec Baldwin. We we would have been married, and I wouldn't have been in this trouble. Yeah. This trouble, is that this guy. Uh, this insane person, they start dating. They get married very shortly after. He, He's some sort of schizophrenic or something like that. Okay. And he starts stealing her money because he's telling her that the the gods or the family or something are going to judge them. Based Basically, it's a religion. Okay. He sets up all these tests to determine her moral 
virtue. Is he on this? Is this all her story? All her story, but there's, there's okay. recordings of him talking the whole time. Okay, okay. So she started recording all their phone conversations. And then she actually, in like the first episode, she's talking to him on the phone and saying like, hey, I think there's going to be this Netflix thing that they want to start making while she's being interviewed for it, mm-hmm. like baiting him into talking about it. Yeah. And he flies off the handle. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, this guy's insane. She starts courting her or they, start, they get married because she needs money or something like that for the business. Then he starts saying like, if you love me and if you want the family to judge you, uh, and you're going to be elevated to this other metaphysical form, send me $30,000 so I know you can trust you, right? This goes on for two years. She ends up sending over $1.7 million hmm. over the course of two years. In like the third episode, they bring in this Russian dude, right? First of all, was she was she wealthy or did she make this money off the restaurant? She made it off the restaurant, man. And she had a $200, $200 million loan out. Jeez. No, $2 million? I don't know. She had a lot of money out. Okay. Two million sounds probably two million dollars. Yeah. She she would have paid back the loan if this guy didn't start draining money out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, episode like three, this Russian guy comes in and he's like, "Oh yeah, that was awesome." When all that was going on, we were gambling every day. He was just gambling this money away. <laughs> and on the front side, he's mm-hmm. telling uh, he's telling this chick like, "Your salvation is waiting for you. Yeah. Send me another forty five thousand dollars. If you don't send it, you know you're out of favor." And, um. All it all goes away, and she he leverages a dog against her. Like she she was single for a long time, so she has this dog that she adopted, and she loves more than anything. He's like, well, I'll make her I'll make her dog immortal too. So <laughs> so and she's like, right. So this is so I'm giving away the whole show. Well, I haven't seen the last two episodes. I don't think, but it's just it's so it's so stupid. We watched the, maybe that was the only one I was thinking about. We watched part of that dropout one. Have you seen that with the blood testing company? No, I don't think I've seen that one either. So it's this other girl who went to Stanford. All she wanted to do was make a company and make a billion dollars. Like that was her thing. Mm -hmm. She goes like for a degree in biochemistry or something like that. And in the process of that, develops this idea that she's going to be able to use a drop of blood and run over 200 tests on a drop of blood instead of tubes of blood. Okay. Because she doesn't like tubes of blood or whatever. On that idea, she gets the dean of the school to invest in it and quit his job. And like all these other people to, to take the leap and build this company based around this idea. She gets so far as selling it to Walgreens for billions of dollars. And they create clinics in all of their stores in anticipation of this machine that doesn't exist. Hmm. And that she keeps like putting off and delaying and stuff like that. Eventually she comes down for like fraud or something like yeah. that, you know? Um, it, but I told Katie, at least she's smart. Like she was a legitimately smart person that was also just a nut job and a con artist, and a thief. Right. Mm-hmm. But she was legitimately smart. Right. Like she made it into Princeton or Stanford. She was excelling in Stanford and then she dropped out to start this company. This other, I, like I'm sick. I <laughs> like, at least that person has brains in their head and they're doing something conniving with their brains. Yeah. It seems like every other documentary is just like dumb people and then not even smart people, con people. They're just like, oh, I got away with it. I'll just keep doing it. It's just ridiculous. So I'm almost, yeah. I, yeah, it is entertainment, <laughs> but at a certain point you're like, this is so stupid. Like I'm watching dumb people that make bad decisions, not because they're getting legitimately tricked by science or like a smart person. Right. Like we watch an Inventing Anna show. You heard that one? Nope. Watch that one. <laughs> not a smart person. I don't just, know what I've been watching lately, but not Netflix nothing, soap operas. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't smart. She was just, she was like the fire festival guy. She was just a con artist. She made mm-hmm. a bunch of promises to people 
and built these fake plans and then sold them to rich people and they invested in her and she got eventually pinched when the bank was like, yeah, we're going to give you millions and millions of dollars to do this thing. We just have to like go back to your hometown and talk to your banker. Of course, there wasn't one, so she's like, ah, crap. Right. <laughs> right? So, but until then, she has like major people investing millions of dollars in yeah. this potential project. Not a smart person, just able to get away with stuff. It's frustrating. Yeah. There's a, a high social IQ, I suppose, emotional intelligence to be able to get done, mm-hmm. but they're not smart. They're just conniving, and it frustrates me. But at least the... Theranos one, that's the blood testing company, is mm-hmm. she was smart. She was smart, yeah. Yeah, to an extent. She just couldn't lie for as long as she wanted to. Bad vegan, though, if you want to be frustrated by dumb people making bad decisions with other people's money. Like, her employees walked out on her twice. Their store shut down at least once because she had no money for payroll because she gave it to this guy at the same time. It's a crazy story. Jeez. It's a crazy story. Um, I don't know what you've been watching, but it hasn't been as good as that. As that stuff. No, it hasn't. <laughs> uh, I've been watching a soccer documentary. No. Sunderland Till I Die? Sutherland Till I Die? I've Sutherland never, yeah, I've never heard that. It's about some Premier League soccer club that gets relegated down. And Was it recently? Like four or five yeah, years ago? four or five years ago, yeah. That was a big deal when it happened, right? Yeah, yeah. It's. A, I mean, it's interesting. It's mindless, 35-minute episodes. and. Yeah. Well, I should clarify. I want to say we're watching this stuff. Katie's watched... 12 minutes of it and then I get sucked into it so then I watch the next like two episodes in a row until 11 o'clock at night yeah <laughs> yeah I'm trying to think what we started last night uh oh we started the new uh whatever that formula one one is oh drive to survive yeah that's a cool one yeah that's a good one you see when that guy caught on fire a lot of money in that uh oh my god event <laughs> yeah do you watch are you current on them like you watched all of them until now yeah uh well I don't know if they release them in... We've watched the seasons up until now. When that guy got in that gnarly crash and was on fire yeah. for like three minutes mm-hmm. and they just jumped out. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> surprise, I'm not yep. dead. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I watched that one with Fel because we were... I think we saw something. The guy still had his hands all wrapped up and he was like giving an interview. And then, and then I was telling those guys like... <clears> through that whole episode, he's giving his account of this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then he holds up his hands at the end. He's like, I'm still all jacked up because of it. And then I was like, do you realize that every episode before this, he was sitting in that chair with his hands wrapped up until he got to tell this story? Yeah. Like, we didn't know that he was sitting there know, with yeah, a just... body cast on, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's going to keep sitting there with his hands wrapped yeah. up for these interviews. <laughs> it was like a weird, uh, whatever, breaking the fourth wall or whatever. You know, I was like, surprise, mm-hmm. I'm damaged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, dude. All right. We should probably talk about building workouts. Probably. Now, um... How do we leave off the last step, the program design episode? We kind of went over the structure of like using uh, not north versus south, upper body, lower body, opposing muscle groups, and stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess the biggest starting point is the major lift, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I program a strength workout, I pick the major lift I want. Like I really want this person to deadlift today. That's the basis of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Everything gets put off of that. So what do you? How do you pick your major lifts, or what do you consider like? the staples like the push pull hinge squat what what specific movements are you putting in so the the main lifts are going to be for me most of the time barbell sometimes landmine um so main ones are going to be bench press squat deadlift you know in any variation of the of a heavy deadlift so trap bar deadlift or barbell straight bar whatever you want to do um 
bent over rows, push press, Olympic lifting. Those would be kind of the main big boy movements that I would build around to start. So that's how I'd kind of look at the day is like, what's, what's the, what's the big boy movement going to be? And then, then build from there. Yeah. So what do we want to use for this one? We're going to build a, like I said, we're going to build a strength workout and a hypertrophy workout. So, um, pick your favorite one and we'll make that. Do you want, do you want to do, you want to try and keep this mostly, uh, universal. So if someone's going to a big box gym versus a garage gym, they can. Yeah. I mean, but well, let's make it idealistic. So let's do what we want to do. Okay. And then, uh, we'll talk about moving variations along the way, I'm sure. So let's just pick what we like to do best and then people can, uh, we'll explain in context around that. All right. Well, I love squatting, so let's go barbell RDLs. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. All right. So I'm writing on my paper, complex one, and then A is barbell RDL, but there's already a decision point in this. So there's two ways to do this. A lot of times I'll do exactly this, barbell RDL, and then I'll do uh, either B and C or just B. <clears throat> and then B and C will in some way help me do A better or balance out A or put another stimulus in besides A. The other way to do it, if we know that bar barbell RDL is something I really want you to load up on and that's the main event for today, I'll put that as B or C and I'll put a prep movement or a prime movement as A. Um, so if we're doing barbell RDL, I might put some sort of push-up variation uh, in that same complex opposed to it. It's going to be up to you if you want to do it, which order you want to do it in. So I'll give you an example. Today, actually, I did barbell trap bar RDLs, five on each side, and then I did a single hand elevated push-up, two times five on each side. I knew I wasn't going to max out real heavy on the barbell RDL, so I put another movement of relatively equal strain after it. Then I was going to have some core stability and be an opposing muscle group, an opposing um, pattern, and I'm good with that. If I knew I was going to max out on a deadlift or a squat, I might put a very light core activation movement as A and have the deadlift be uh, B or C, depending on how much prep or prime I think I need. What do you want to do for today? Um, I think we I think we followed it up with a you know an upper body or core, and then a, then a prep after that. Nice. And so I'm sometimes I go the opposite way of going. I know that I know that most likely my first set of RDLs is going to be a 60 percenter. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I'll lead out with it because I know that my first set's going to be probably building up to 60 percent or something like that. So I'm probably going to I'm probably going to do the bar. So if we were gonna, if we we're doing barbell RDL and we said we're doing five to six reps, I would probably do the bar eight times. I'd probably load some weight on and do three to four, probably load some more on and do one to two. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to be ready for my first working set of five to six is, is most of the time how I started. And knowing that that five to six is probably going to be what, 20 to 40 pounds off of what I'm going to get to eventually, most likely. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times that's the way I'll start it, but I certainly understand the other way of let's get moving and get ready for that lift, you know, as the second movement or third movement too. I think there's also, it's probably just a different approach of like, um, I'm more apt to make, do warm sets and make a big jump right off the bat. And I'm probably, 
probably within 10 to 20 pounds of where I'll end up over the course of four rounds. Okay. So I almost treat it as like a starting, um, like I'll do this, a very similar warm up scheme if I was doing barbell RDLs. And then it's almost like starting the race, like warm ups are over. I'm going to jump up 20, 30 pounds for my first working set. And I know I got to get ready for it because it's a significant jump. So I'm going to do these two prep movements and then nail uh, the heavy, heavy barbell RDL. But sure. yeah, I'm down. Um, all right. So what's, uh, what's our B then? So B, I'd probably go like some sort of upper body push only to uh, not expose our grip to any more duress. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd probably go to an upper body press of some sort and push-ups are a good one or, uh, you know, like a double dumbbell bench press would be a fine one to do as well. Nice. So we're going, what is that? H push. Yeah. So uh, to get real fancy today, I did um, single hand elevated push-ups. So I put a medicine ball, a very small medicine ball, like cantaloupe size under one hand and did five push-ups, then put on the other hand did five and then repeated that five and five. So total of 20 push-ups. And then we have a pillar or prep movement for C. What do you like there? Um, to be, you know, a lot of times with some of the posterior chain stuff, I actually like to do a mobility one here. So for me, I'd, I'd probably move towards like, uh, like a knee hug off of my back or like some marching glute bridges, possibly something to just, um, support the RDL movement mm-hmm. versus, you know, we're going to do a pillar or something like, especially if, you know, if we're going to throw pushups and say for that second movement, we're getting some pillar stuff in there anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably go with some sort of hip mobility or hamstring, uh, mobility as my third movement there nice. like a, on the back knee hug, you know, or, um, glute bridges or something along those lines, just to get my hips moving a little more and my hamstrings moving a little bit more to circle back to the top for RDLs. I think that brings up inadvertently a important point of like people might be tempted. You're going to do a heavy RDL uh, upper body push that could get relatively challenging and then throw a third fast or challenging movement in there. Depending on what you want to get out of the workout, that C, that third movement that Kurt's talking about maybe shouldn't be intense at all. Maybe mm-hmm. that should be, like you said, prepping you and part of your active recovery now so you can really do well on a, so don't fall in the trap that more is better or more is more or more is better. Um, get, figure out what the, what you want your point of this whole exercise, this whole complex to be and make sure that each movement feeds that main event. So I think that's a good, uh, a good point just to throw in there. And that's what we look at there, you know, it's like RDLs, you know, if you look at the, the joint that's doing the most movement, it's going to be your hips. So like addressing your ankles, there's probably I mean, it's fine, but it's a neutral, you know, addressing your T-spine mobility there is, again, probably a neutral. So if you work on something that's going to directly help your hips facilitate that RDL, I think that's the best option to use there. The other thing of adding a potential core challenger there is we know that most likely the failure on this RDL, the technical failure, is not going to be our hamstrings or our glutes. It's going to be some small spinal erector, something along the backside. And if we fatigue those with push-ups and then we fatigue that with some you know core movement again after that that's that's taking away from what we're trying to accomplish with going heavier on the rdl makes sense mm-hmm. yeah it's all about what you want to do right now if we were going to have let's say that we can get in this conversation about equipment barbell lets you load up right so for a heavy barbell rdl if we're just doing um, five to eight straight reps not a stag or anything like that mm-hmm you can you can you can use significant weight two twenty five maybe plus right mm-hmm. 
not everybody has 225 of weights lying around or a barbell. So it's time to start playing with tension and tempo with that, right? Yep. Um, now that is where you can start altering B and C to be a more overall challenging and less of a big boy movement type of complex. So let's just say that we don't have equipment now. Uh, we, st- we can still have dumbbells or something challenging for the push-ups, mm-hmm. or I mean for the uh, bench press. Let's talk about a substitute to get a good hamstring activation, good hip hinge activation if you don't have 200 pounds laying around. Um, for me, I'm probably going to single leg RDLs at that point. Single RDLs with a tempo, or, and you can also kind of chain that together with a knee up kind of deal. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you have, if you're limited on weight, I mean, if we have no equipment, then you just go tempo it, obviously, or, you know, and challenge the stability by bringing the knee up. But I mean, two 40 pound dumbbells in your hand or less is, is still going to be a significant Mm-hmm. exercise there significant resistance on a single leg rdl especially if you start tempoing it at that point yeah when we're talking about tempo it's there's a couple parts to tempo there's the lowering phase and then the time spent at the end of range of motion whatever that is and then there's the bringing up or the the contraction phase in the easiest terms to understand and uh you can get pretty fancy with it you can have a time designation for each one of those phases. So it can be like a two, 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 where it's two seconds of lowering, two seconds of holding at the bottom and two seconds on the way up. Or it can be like a five, one, one, where it's just really slow down. So you're going into the RDL for five whole seconds and then you're just pausing and coming back up pretty much right away. Um, and people underestimate that a lot because a lot of times with weight, the goal is just to perform the movement. There's no real tempo put into it, but it's, it's, uh, very surprising, even with what Kurt's talking about, two dumbbells or even body weight. If you slow movement down in the lowering portion or the eccentric portion, a five-second lower on a body weight exercise can be uh, struggle bus city, especially in the higher reps if we're getting up to six, eight, ten reps. That's a lot of time under tension, and you're going to feel – you may feel more sore from that than you do from loading up with weight and just challenging your system overall. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're picking on one muscle group like your hamstrings. Um, so that's the tempo kind of idea behind this. Let's get back to what we like to do, though, with the barbell. Um, How many times are we running through this bad boy? I think you're probably going to want four working sets, probably, this one. Yeah, I think so. Knowing that the first one will be a good good foundation, and the next three are going to be pretty pretty intense digging in. Yep. So we have A, uh, barbell, RDL. We'll go, how many reps for that? Six to eight? Yeah. Uh, what do you want for your bench press, which is B? I th- Did you want to go with the push-ups? We'll go with medicine ball push-ups like you had. Okay. Those elevated ones. So we'll put a range into that of 5 to each side, up to 10 each side, depending. 5 to 10 times on each arm elevated. Mm-hmm. And then uh, kneeling glute, uh, the supine, knee hugs, or the glute bridge. We're going to roll through that. It's more of a therapeutic with still a little bit of strict spine control, so... Would you like to put a time segment on I'd that probably or put a rep a time segment? segment on that one? Okay. So that you, you don't want to kind of go crazy on this. Yeah. Isn't one where you need to keep, you know, count reps for it. So put, you know, 60 seconds on it and cool. 30 seconds on each leg with knee hugs, you know. Nice. All right. So that's our first complex. Pretty good strength complex there. Um, sets us up nice for a, a little more, a little quicker, maybe a light, lighter weight and a faster second complex. So complex. Two. All right. So how do we build this one? For the first one, we got to pick out what movement we like, and then that's the center of our universe and go around that. How do you pick out complex twos movements? 
you know, I, I start looking for what I want to kind of focus on and make sure that it's not a duplication of efforts that we did in the first complex. Um, for me, I'm probably going upper body is the, the main focus of this one with a lower body supporting cast since we kind of did the opposite. Although, you know, 40 push-ups with that ISO elevation, mm-hmm. well, I guess that's going to be 10 on each, so 20, so 80 push-ups. It's going to be significant upper body. So I'm probably going upper body pull for sure in this. So most likely for me, this is going to be followed up with some sort of dumbbell row uh, at this point. So I'd probably either a hand-supported or a full-supported row to balance off 40 to 80 push-ups that we did in complex one. Nice. Is that going to be, uh, where would you like to place that in the complex? So let's I'd, assume that we're going to do three to four movements in this one. I'd probably start it off with that. Cool. Um, say again what you wanted. Let's do a, a single dumbbell hand-supported row, and we'll do eight to 10 off each side. Nice. Heavy. So single dumbbell hand-supported row, like I said, heavy. That gives you the ability to pull a ton of weight because you're you're basically minimizing not minimizing ordinarily you you'd be limited by your ability to stay with like a a tall spine or an erect spine in that hinged over position that'll be the most difficult part of a really heavy single arm row with this with the hand supported you're you're stabilizing the spine from both ends so you with from your hip side and also your shoulder side and then it takes a lot of the stress off it so you can jump up significantly in your single dumbbell support a row compared to just a regular bent over row. Um, this is going to be, this is going to be one of the differences in how we program. I think not knowing the other few movements, my first inclination with this is to program some sort of lunge or a squat pattern Mm -hmm. because, um, my legs are already going to be sore the next day, probably or at least fatigued. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I'm just going to burn them down for a little bit for lack of a better word sure. knowing that my my uh my butt and my hamstrings were working real heavy on the barbell rdl i'm going to do a higher rep um probably body weight or moderate to lightweight squat or lunge pattern and that's how i feel like i get my legs well-rounded uh well-rounded workout and also i'm going to balance out a little bit and my legs are already tired so like i said i'm just going to kind of keep hammering them on the front side now and get my heart rate up a little bit so um I would also have a row in there. I'd probably just make sure that uh, everything would be leading up to my squat or my lunch pattern. So let's keep going. Um, and see, for me, I, I might attack that a little differently. Um, and so for me, and this depends kind of too of what my finisher would end up being, this might be a chance where I like, I, instead of doing a multi-system lower body, I might isolate something and say, we're going to do some calf raises or we're going to do um, like some reverse Nordics, mm. you know, something like that where instead of, you know, an, another full body, I'm sorry, multi-joint lower body, I might end up isolating things a little bit more in that. Sure. But that just depends on what my finisher is. Maybe my finisher is going to be, you know, a Tabata bodyweight squat or something like that. So, oh yeah, you know, just all. I think that's another difference as but well. Th- as- this is the cool thing about building things this way is you can you can take it where you want, you know. And, and even in this, we're like we're following the system, but we've talked about you know two different tangents that we can take this already, you yeah. know. Well, and, that, and this is that's exactly right, and this is what it would turn into when we do um, like the coaching group workouts. Is Kurt would 
Kurt would be like, well, I want to do a heavy single dumbbell supported row. And I'd be like, well, we're definitely doing lunges then yeah. because that's what I want to do. And then you end up with this murderous workout right. by the end of it. Yeah. You get everyone's uh, favorite <laughs> exercise to do. And yeah. <laughs> what are we thinking? Yeah. Then we end up like this. <laughs> like a sack of potatoes over there on the dog bed with five foot long arms. Um, so I guess the structure of this is a big difference too necessarily because I would end it after this complex probably. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, just because of time. Um, and I'm going to build, if the first complex was heavy and I knew I was going to dig in for that, I'm going to build the second complex. Second complex is likely more of an interval or a moderate to heavy, but constant movement, um, complex. So I'm not going to have two, three minute rest segments in between the movements. It's pretty much going to be there regimented where you get 30 seconds of working and then 15 or 30 seconds of rest in between them, mm-hmm. or it's going to be a little bit higher rep. So we're going to be in the 10 to 20 rep range with under a minute to get to the next thing. So it's kind of a, a dig in and a, a more intense, definitely not a high intensity interval workout kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I would complex the second one. And then probably not even do a finisher because I'm going to, um, I'm going to try to do something tomorrow. And I think a finisher would just blow me out and I wouldn't want to do anything for the next couple of days. Yep. Um, but let's keep going. Okay. So we have a heavy single dumbbell, single arm row okay. uh, for A. What are we thinking for B? You want, to do, you want lunges or squats? I would put, so I would put um, an accessory movement at B and then load up on my lunges or squats on C. Okay. So let's do, uh, let's use those double dumbbells still. For C? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do double dumbbell and just make it basic. We're just going to do walking lunges. Okay. And we're going to shoot for, um, we're actually going to shoot for a yardage total on that. So we're going to go. 15 yards and back. That should work out to about 10 on each side, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're limited on space or you don't want to do 15 yards or you don't have the space indoors and you can't go outside, just do 10 on each side. That'll be a long time to do lunges and that'll load up pretty good. Um, so that leaves B and D to be supporting or fast. Uh, so what would you like B to be? I'd probably throw a core movement in here. So this is probably going to be where I'd, I'd do like some pal-off presses. Nice. So maybe an athletic position, pal-off press, either off a cable machine or you can get a speed cord or a resistance band. Cool. Uh, load it up. I'm just going to go easy and say 8 to 10 each. Yep. And then D, so we have a heavy single arm row, a pallet press for anti-rotation, some walking lunges down and back. Um, The natural thing for me to think about this is some sort of turf work like a sprint or a skip or a shuttle because we did slow, arduous lunges now and your legs feel heavy. Mm -hmm. So even though we can't execute what would be considered like a perfect sprint and work on maximal speed, we can make it really tiring and uh, beat your legs up a little bit and also get your heart rate way up so you have to recover to go back to those heavy rows. Absent of that, absent of the turf or the space, I would pick something like a uh, Smurf Jack mm-hmm. or a Quick Hands or Quick Feet. Um, and then there's also the beauty of adding more rows and everything. And since we did so many push-ups in the first complex. So where does your mind go for D on this? I, I would agree with you on the turf work. I would try most likely to do something lateral here mm. uh, because we've gone forward with our lunges. I also, and this would be unique to this workout and it's just kind of a personal thing to me. I don't, I don't love doing 
aggressive sprints after RDLs. I right. just think that you've, uh, you've, you've done your hamstring work that day and, uh, that would not be my time to do some aggressive linear sprints then at that point. So I'd probably look at some shuttles here, some sh- shuffles, karaoke's, and you can even do like Smurf jacks into lateral shuffles. So if you only have, say you only have, you know, 20 feet of space, do 20 Smurf jacks, shuffle across 20 Smurf Ooh. jacks, shuffle back, you know, so you can, <laughs> you can get your heart rate up yeah. <laughs> you know, and move laterally. But, um, th- that's just unique to this one. Obviously if we had different movement, you know, other than RDLs, I'm, I would consider possibly doing some linear sprints then at that point. But yeah, that's good thinking. That's good thinking. I think in the times, so in the winter, what I would do a lot would be, um, power crossovers, mm-hmm. lateral hops, um, uh, a little bit more moderate, but a longer duration, like chopping lateral lunge. Um, there's always like the open lunge to lunge jumps or the closed lunge to lunge jumps. You get a little plyo in there. I mean, just you could go so simple as like put a paper plate down between your feet and just do high knee runs with your feet out a little bit wider, you know, and just right. 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off, 15 seconds on, and you'll find that to be unappealing probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, well, it's a good substitute too because, um, so Kurt mentioned the, the a little bit excessive work on the hamstrings with a sprint. The big thing that sprints have that a high knee run doesn't have is a heavy heel contact for a lot of people. And that's when a majority of injuries are going to happen. Sprinting is when your heel touches down and your hamstring activates and then it gets all crampy or explodes or whatever with a high knee run, you'll be on your toes. Mostly of course, there's going to be some hamstring involvement, but it's not going to be like slamming on the brakes every step. Yeah, you're not decelerating your, yeah. your body mass. So it, it sounds similar because you're going to sprint in place, but it's very different than sprinting across turf coming to a stop and then, um, taking heavy steps out of that. So same, same focus, but different movement altogether. So, uh, so let's just put, let's put a 30 second interval on that last one, regardless of what it is. And we can mm-hmm. play with the specifics of it. So we have heavy single dumbbell supported rows, single arm supported rows. Um, what reps can you doing for that bad boy? Uh, we said eight to 10 off. That's each. right. Palif presses then eight to 10 each way. Yep. Double dumbbell walking lunges for 15 yards and back or 10 off each leg. And then uh, some sort of um, pseudo plyo shuffle shuttle quick feet thing for about 30 seconds. Good God. Mm-hmm. Um, I would insist we do less, five rounds or less than this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. So this I'm putting three to five. Probably, yeah. I'm guessing at this point this is closer to the three. Yeah, I think so. Um, Send it to the presses. <laughs> I'll be sure never to do it. Yep. This will be good. I'll try this one next Year. lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> um, so ways to play around with that second complex. Let's say you don't have enough weight to go real heavy on your your supported row. Um, make it unsupported. That would make more, more leverage on your system. Um, you could also do more moderate weight and keep the rep scheme, but set this as a timer, not an AMRAP necessarily we talked about this last time in the in the program design one not an end wrap but a, a, a stopwatch workout so for this one i would put this at 12 to 15 minutes to get three-ish rounds of difficult work mm-hmm. if you do 15 to 17 minutes you'll probably get four and a half rounds out of it and uh quality will probably go down by then but it'll be a it'll be a tough one it'll be a gut check mm-hmm. um and then all you would do since don't get locked in the thought necessarily that other interval workouts, interval workouts are 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, blah, blah, blah. 
this is very much um, on your own volition. So if when you get done with your eight to 10 moderate bent over rows, uh, eight to 10 on each side, you're basically going to check in with yourself and say, can I just go to the next thing? Like, can I just go on to my pallet presses now? Or do I need the time of the walk across the gym to get there to do it? And then once you get there, like, okay, my, was that too much time? Can I have hurried up a little bit and got this done? Basically, it's just constantly asking, asking yourself if you're ready to go. And the more aggressive you are with that, it'll exponentially compound the difficulty of these things. Even a five to se- 10 second extra slowdown between them can make this a completely different workout. So if you're not disciplined, that might be a difficult way to do it. Or if you're unmotivated, it might be a great way to do it because uh, you won't get many rounds done. If you are motivated but undisciplined, it's a tough one because uh, you, you almost need somebody pushing you on to the next thing. So that's when mm-hmm. I would go towards the more of the interval where it's a regimented time of start and stop. But yep. um, And kind of dovetailing off that is this, the, this shouldn't be a circuit where you're, I'm trying to get through a bunch of rounds of this. So like you should, in that time that you're walking over, you should be asking yourself if you can accomplish more. So if you start out with a, a heavy you know, 70 pound dumbbell is your single dumbbell hand supported row. Ideally, you're not staying with that the whole time. Now you're going to 75. Now you're going to 80. You know, you're trying to make each segment as hard as you can, not make the cumulative effort of going fast through this thing be the challenge. All right. All right. All right. Well, this is shaping up to be a long episode. We'll probably take out the part in the beginning where I talked for 10 minutes about uh, <laughs> bad vegan Netflix, Netflix soap operas. <laughs> But we got so that's our strength. Well, do you want to do a, a finisher? That's a lot of work. I think this is stands as is. If yeah. if I were going to do a finisher on this, this would be one where I do some arm burnout. So I'm going to do, you know, sixty seconds of you know front raises and lateral raise, raises. Take a break and then do another sixty seconds, or you know, some tricep press downs, some bicep curls, something like that. This yeah. is that's that's where I'd probably end this one if I was going to do a finisher. Cool. I think I would do. Just looking at this, um, I'd probably do a, a quick, like, quote-unquote core or ab thing or trunk thing. Um, so I'd be looking at more of the, if my back was feeling good, because we had a lot of stress on it, right? We had the heavy barbell RDLs and even the single dumbbell-supported rows. Um, if I was feeling good in my lower back and my butt, I'd probably do some sort of flutter kick, um, maybe a knees-to-elbow thing, even though it's a lot of pressing for the day. Um, some sort of, not a bicycle kick per se, but some sort of pillar, maybe a marching pillar. Good one for us, kind of job specific that you can do at work easy is uh, hose waves and lateral pillars, you know? Yeah. So you throw 20 seconds of super fast hypervelocity hose waves right into 20 seconds of a lateral pillar and then take a rest and maybe you get through uh, three rounds on each arm. So six total bouts, that'd be a pretty sick finisher to do. Easy to do at work. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm looking at the title of hypertrophy over here. I might want to just repurpose that one over there. <laughs> that might be uh, towards the end of the next workout. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's break off of strength necessarily sure. and go to hypertrophy, um, as I like to incorrectly call it. So what's the goal for this one? We're just looking for a little more work time. So a lot of the strength stuff, when it's our main focus, we're looking for you know, 5 to 15 seconds of effort. And once we get into hypertrophy, we're looking to extend that out to, you know, 40 seconds of tension time to maybe a minute. After that, we're starting to get a little aerobic in it. But uh, so we're just lengthening out the time that we do stuff. And for me, the easiest way to do that is intervals, setting intervals versus 
rep schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's usually my my way of uh, differentiating the two. Cool. You're putting two interval complexes in. Yeah. Cool. So complex one, complex two. Now we had three movements in the first one and four in the second one for strength. How much are you adjusting that for hypertrophy? Uh, I will in a hypertrophy workout. I'm probably, I will probably end up with more movements. Yeah. Uh, there's a chance that in each complex, you know, depending on how I'm doing, if I'm doing it like movement into movement into movement, maybe like if we do a 30, 30, 30, mm-hmm. you know, we might have 12 movements in one complex, right. you know, four stations, yeah. three movements. Um, you know, or you could do a long one. You could do seven movements, 60 seconds on 30 second transition between them, you know? So, um, Interval workout, so this gets to, these are the workouts that I hate. These are boring for me. I don't like doing these ones. So for me, personally, I need a lot of variety of movements because I'm going to get really bored of interval-based workouts. They're necessary, and I do them, but I need need variety in them. Otherwise, I'm probably going, (laughs) repeating a strength workout. I definitely definitely err on the side of doing uh, more, like I'll do four complexes mm-hmm. with two or three movements each yeah. on an interval basis for the same reason. Like after the third or fourth time around doing the same thing, you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm just tired now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'll, I'll break this up into four ish complexes. If this is really what I'm doing for the day and then do three movements per thing. Each one will take six to eight minutes and then you're, yeah. you're 40 minutes in before you know it and you're all right. done. Let's do this. Cause it's easy. Uh, let's, Build like a, a single dumbbell or a single kettlebell complex yeah. where we loop like 10 of each, maybe five movements, 10 of each. You mm-hmm. get through it and then you rest 60 to 90 seconds and we do maybe five rounds of that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Just, that's the parallel thinking. I just programmed one of those for one of my clients starting today. He's, I only did three movements, um, 10 of each on each side. So it ends up being six segments, um, but it's a constant work one. Um, so it, that kind of, it looks a little bit like the second complex on the strength one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very much a, uh, hypertrophy workout. Here's the cool thing about single dumbbell. Uh, you have to do everything on both sides and you can use that thing in almost any position that you're in lying on the ground, half kneeling, tall kneeling, standing lunge position. Um, you can press it in both directions, horizontal and vertical from everywhere and row it. So I like to start from the ground on these ones because okay. it makes you start on the ground, get up and it changes it. So here's a, I'll just give you my around the world one that mm-hmm. I like to do. Uh, start in a single or a half kneeling, single arm overhead press. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Then you go up to uh, dumbbell start, goes to your shoulder and you do split squats. Mm-hmm. Then dumbbell goes to your chest and you do goblet squats and then goes to the other shoulder. You do split squats and then down to your hip, uh, for your half kneeling press on that side. Mm-hmm. And you basically make a circle yep. four or five times. Yeah. And you can add in Rose. an RDL in there or a row yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the, that's like the, the five part or the three on each side movement one. Okay. And then, yeah, you can add in, uh, when you're on the ground, you can get to a push up position, do relocates, uh, when you're in. The split squat position, instead of doing a split squat, you do the 
lunch position overhead press from there. Mm-hmm. So you can add in as many different vectors as you want, but that's how I like to chain those. So let's have A, uh, we'll start with a half kneeling press. Okay. Single arm press. And uh, this is going to be going for a while, so we're just going to do five. Because we're assuming we have a heavy enough dumbbell where five is challenging. If you make your overhead press challenging, then everything else will be okay to do. If your overhead press is a weight that's impossible, then everything else is going to be pretty tough. So I would scale everything based on your overhead press so you can complete five difficult reps on that. Mm-hmm. So you have your half kneeling overhead press. Now we're going to keep the dumbbell at your shoulder, and we're going to do five split squats with that same foot alignment. So we're doing dumbbell on your right shoulder, right knee on the ground? Yeah, okay. that's a good way to start. Uh, then we do our split squats, and then let's add in the lunge position overhead press from there. So we're going to start in either a really long um, lunge position, like the top of a lunge position, or you can drift your knee all the way down to floating just an inch above the ground. But we're going to do five overhead presses from that position. So we have a half kneeling overhead press and a lunge position overhead press? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yep. I feel like I'm missing a part of this, but I can't remember what it is right off the bat, so we're just going to keep going with it. Then it goes to your chest, and you do goblet squats. Am I saying this right? Let's do alternate stagger goblet squats. Oh, so you boy. Can keep your fives going. Oh, yeah. So you're doing 10 total squats there. And then it just goes to the other arm, and you work your way back down the ladder. So you're going to get in that long lunge position, do five overhead presses. Then it'll come down to your shoulder, you do five split squats, and then your knee goes down to the ground, and you do five overhead presses from there. I can't remember what I'm missing. Probably a row. I probably substitute a row for one of those overhead presses when I did it last. So that's one. And you will go around that world three to five times. Five Mm -hmm. times is pretty damaging. Yeah. Um, If I was going to do that, I might might do one or two other complexes and be all done for the day. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of movement in there. And then the idea for me on this is, this is a this is a don't put the dumbbell down once you start. Right. Yeah. So once it starts moving, you keep it moving. So it's not do five overhead press, rest, five split squats, rest. It's you try and get through most of this as technically sound quickly as possible and then you rest in between them. And then you can you can that's how you dial up the intensity is then you just shorten the rest time if you need to, but only if you can keep technical form the whole way through yeah absolutely and so what kurt was saying with a lot of overhead press that's a lot of overhead pressing um but i'm, I'm building this with in mind that i'm using like a 30 to 35 pound dumbbell so these workouts are going to be high volume higher volume than in, than the other one we did so we're not going to be pushing to failure it's mm-hmm. not going to be like a max effort anything the point of these like kurt said is to to start and try hard and work through it and it's a longer duration and a longer burn and a longer time under tension So you're naturally going to use probably about half the weight that you feel comfortable with just standing there and doing one set of overhead presses and then taking a two minute break and go on to the next thing. This is, uh, this is the start gun goes off and then you're in the game for the next six, seven, eight minutes, uh, during these things. So you got to use a weight that's appropriate to to keep up for that. And it's going to be less than, less than you might want it to be, but, um, the lighter, the better almost on these things. All right. So why don't you build number two then? Gave you one of my trade secrets for one. You might have said it incorrectly and <laughs> people will get hurt now. Ha <laughs> ha. All right. So number two, we'll do, let's just do an easy one. We'll just do a, a, an easy interval of uh, 60 seconds of work and 30 seconds of transition time to your next movement. Nice. 
And so this is a pretty easy way for me to check off all the movement patterns too. So, uh, so I'll start it out. We can start it out with just body weight squats, 60 seconds. Okay. All right. So we got our uh, bilateral anterior posterior rotation there. I'll probably move to either a, an upper body or a core movement at that point. So we can just call it a regular pillar here for 60 seconds would be our next one. Nice. Uh, next move, I'd probably go back to lower body. We can go some body weight step ups. Just alternating legs for 60 seconds. Nice. Um, we can use, we can do like a single weight bent over row would be our next movement. So just grab a weight plate, hand on each side and crank out as many rows as you need to. Uh, probably can go lower body again at this point. So we can use our, we'll do a different lunge variation. So let's do a lateral lunge in place. Mm -hmm. Since we did lunges already in our strength workout. And then, uh, I'd probably finish this last part with like a higher heart rate one. So this is, you can do some uh, shuttles, you can do some hose waves. Uh, so we'll just call it hose waves for 60 seconds at this point. Nice. And so now we got one, two, three, four, we got six movements. We've got uh, an upper body pull, you know, with the overhead stuff that we did in the first complex, you know, that's out of the way. We got three different uh, hip patterns to use for our lower body. We got some core work in there and we got some higher heart rate stuff in there. Nice. And so pretty easy, you know, 60 seconds on 30 seconds of rest three to four times, you know, and you're looking at, what does that end up being? Three, six, nine. That's a 27 minute workout when you're all said and done. That's enough. So just that alone is enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like it, man. I like it. Um, you know, and this is this ends up being to the point where if you partner these two together, then you've gotten the burn of the the first complex. That's going to be a lot of muscle burn in that one. Uh, as we get into these 60-second deals, this is going to be more high heart rate stuff. I mean, you'll get a little burn with a single weight bent over rows, but we're getting into more uh, endurance-based versus mm -hmm. uh, muscle failure stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally different feeling. And uh, they pair well together because – it's almost like back in the strength workout where you're just bogged down in the first one by heavy stuff and you get to move a little bit mm -hmm. more flowy in the second one. So these are good. Just the one thing in there is that's you're looking for perpetual movement in there. So this is, this is, this is not made to be, um, make this thing as challenging as I can in there. This is, I want to do body weight squats without stopping for 60 seconds, or I want to set a cadence for my step ups that I can go for 60 seconds. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind in this too. This isn't, made to try and be fail seven times in 60 seconds type thing. <laughs> yeah. We would get a lot of looks after the first round or second round of these. And they're like, what's the big, yeah. We're just going to do this for the next like 20 minutes. Right. right. Uh huh. Yeah. And then they would do it for like the next eight minutes and be like flapping on the fish, you know, yep. flapping like a fish. I like it. Um, let's talk just real quick. Cause we're, uh, long on intervals because a lot of people will pick a 60, 30, but mm -hmm. they're like, a lot of people want to get to even on intervals, 60-60 mm -hmm. or something like that, or even do a negative split where you're um, recovering. Well, a positive split would be, I'm, I'm forgetting now that I'm saying it out loud. A lot of people would want to do... Less rest and more work. Less rest and more work, okay. right. Um, but a lot of people should start at even rest and even work. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to think of. Mm -hmm. So 
it's okay on this one if you want to start and these movements sound good. 60-60 is going to take, obviously, a little bit longer. But it's going to catch up with you, and it's going to get difficult. And then you slowly and incrementally start taking down your rest segment. So I would go, if I was starting at 60-60 because I haven't worked out in a while or I'm sore or I just want to move around, and then I, even in the middle of workout, if I'm like, this is, this is just kind of dragging, I would go down to 60-45. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 second chunks or 20 second chunks are usually pretty easily measurable on a stopwatch. Yep. Then I would go down to 60-30 if I really felt like I could just go crazy. I may not ever go down to 60-15 on this one. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. Because it's just too much. You can go the other way too. You can go 75-30, you know, or yeah. 90-30, you know, right. so you can progress it that way as too. So you can either shorten the rest interval or you can increase the work interval. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to work on more speed stuff, like let's say that I do want to make this a race now and I want to see how many bodyweight squats I can do as fast as I can do, then I would make it 30-30 mm-hmm. uh, or 20-40. So yeah. I'd have a longer rest segment after my 20-second explosion. Correct. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to call a 2010 segment a Tabata. And this is my personal gripe. Go for it. A 2010 Preach. split. Yeah, a 2010 split is just a 2010 split. You can't do a pillar Tabata, and you can't do... Um, it's really hard to do a bodyweight squat Tabata. You have to be doing something so incredibly fast that I think the number is 140%. Of your capacity, so you have to be operating at 140% of your expected capacity or your maximum capacity for 20 seconds, and then you get 10 seconds of rest, and then you match that same output as many times as you can for the eight rounds. Now, this is a semantics talk, and I'll I'll gladly agree to that that this doesn't matter in the real world, uh, but it just drives me absolutely crazy when I see like step up Tabata mm-hmm. or plank Tabata. Yeah. It's just a 2010 split, right? Stop, stop ruining the good name of Dr. Tabata yeah. with your half-ass effort and your slow-ass movements. Yes. Yeah. If you, <laughs> you go back and read his study, it's not what you think it is. No, it's, it's like a world. It's like you die afterwards. Mm-hmm. You have, you have as good a chance of having a heart attack and dying as you do completing an actual Tabata yeah. workout. So, <laughs> so I appreciate that it's popular. It's kind of like the CrossFit and the Olympic lifting thing. I appreciate that it's popular and it's getting people involved and people want to do stuff like that. But don't define down these top of the mountain things, and that's just me. If you're going to do that, then I'm going to say stop calling your uh, 30 seconds of pillar uh, hit training because okay. that's also not. It's that. exactly that. <laughs> it's exactly that. I actually had this in a conversation with Annette the other day, and she because everything is a hit thing. Everything, now, yeah. Right? Do this hit workout, and uh, it's catchy, and people will do it. And God, there's but there's some people out there that are cringing. I know. There's people out there that cringe when you call it Olympic lifting and not just weightlifting. Yeah. Everybody's got their thing, mm-hmm. right? Tabata is my thing. Yep. I don't do them because I can't. And I also don't <laughs> right. say I do them because I can't. Yeah. Uh, it's like, well, it's like saying I run triathlons when I've done a couple poorly every time, but I'm a triathlete. Yeah. No, I'm not. And no, I don't do Tabatas. Mm-hmm. And neither do you. Nope. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you don't do them. Right. Even if uh, someday this has a trillion listeners on it, you still don't do them. The people mm-hmm. that do them aren't listening to this. Anywho's, all right. That was a long episode, was. but it was good. They got two solid workouts, and I'll actually I'll list them. Hey, you're awake. Hi. Um, anything you want to leave with? I think we're. I, I mean, I don't think so. Cover a lot of ground. Yeah, we did. Cover a lot of ground. These are just two examples. Obvious disclaimer. You know, we're not your coaches. Even if I am, um, this is stuff that I didn't make specifically for you. So, heed a little warning when you go to try this stuff. If you do, reach out to one of us if you need some support. 
Uh, we'll gladly charge you for it. And uh, yeah, check out the websites. Donate to the Buy Me a Coffee button. Kurt's drinking coffee today, but I love to buy him one, so give me some money. Um, I think we're good. I think we're good. All right, guys, talk to you later. Thank <laughs> you.